0: Aishaadu Ala ilaha illallahu Aishaadu Allahu Aishaadu Allahu Aishaadu Allahu بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب المالك الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين after reciting
1: the Tashahud, Ta'uz and Surah Al Fatihah. Hazrat, Hazrat the V, Ayyad al Tala stated, The account of the companion that I will mention today is Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha. The name of Hazrat Abdullah Rawaha's father was Rawaha bin Thalba. His mother's name was Kapsha bint Waqid bin Amr, who belonged to the Banu Harith clan of the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar. Hazrat Abdullah Rawaha participated in the Bayt at Akbar and was the leader of the Banu Harith bin Khazrij. His title was Abu Muhammad. Some have also reported his title as Abu Rawaha and Abu Amr. It is narrated by an individual from Saar that the Messenger of Allah established a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha and Hazrat Mikdad. According to Ibn Saad, he was one of the scribes of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha participated in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet وسلم, including the battles of Badr, Uhud, Khandaq, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, Khaybar, and Umratul Qadha. He was martyred during the Battle of Malta and was one of the commanders during this battle. It is mentioned in one of the narrations that Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha came to the Holy Prophet ﷺ while he was delivering a sermon. During the sermon, he said to the people, "Sound." When Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha heard these words he was still standing outside the mosque but he sat down immediately. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ finished his sermon and he came to know about this incident, he said to him, ala wa Rasulihi Meaning, may Allah increase you further in your obedience to Allah and His Messenger. A similar incident is also found in the books of Ahadith regarding Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud. I have already narrated that incident in the sermon that I delivered with regards to him. The narration regarding Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud is similar in that he was also standing outside and as soon as he heard the command, he sat down just outside the door and then went inside the mosque whilst remaining in a seated position. Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha used to be the first to depart from his home for any action and the last one to return. Hazrat Abu Darda narrates... I seek refuge with Allah from a day in which I fail to remember Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha. When he used to walk towards me to meet me, he used to place his hand on my chest. I.e., he used to do this whenever they would meet, which was on a daily basis. His actions were such that they ought to be mentioned. Hazrat Abu Darda then further narrates. When he used to walk towards me to greet me, he used to place his hand on my chest and when he used to meet me before departing, he used to place his hand between my shoulders and used to say to me, Ya Awamir, Ijlis falanu'min sa'a meaning, O awaymir come let us sit down for a while and rejuvenate our faith. Hence, we used to sit down and remember Allah the Almighty for as long as I desired then Abdullah bin Rawaha would say, O oh, Al-Wamir, these are gatherings in which one discusses one's faith. It is mentioned in kitab Zohud, zuhud a book by Hazrat Imam Ahmed, that when Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha used to meet one of his companions, he used to say, Come, let us sit down and rejuvenate our faith in our Lord. It is mentioned in the same book that the Holy Prophet sallallahu said, May Allah hasse on Abdullah bin Rawaha. He loves such gatherings of which even the angels are envious. Hazrat Abu Huraira anhu relates that the Holy Prophet sallallahu said, Ni'ma Rajulu Abdullah ibn Rawaha Meaning, what an excellent man Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha is. Following the conquest of Khaybar, the Holy Prophet ﷺ sent Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha in order to make an estimate of the fruit yield and land, etc. Once Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha fell so severely ill that he became unconscious. The Holy Prophet ﷺ came to visit him and said, O oh Allah, if his appointed time is nigh, then make it easy for him. In other words, if the time of his demise is near, then make it easy for him. And if his appointed time has not yet approached, then grant him health. Following this prayer, Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawah's fever subsided. Sensing this improvement, he said. O Prophet of Allah my mother was saying O my rock and my support when I was ill. I saw an angel standing with an iron club and asking that are you truly this? Upon this I replied that I am. Subsequently he hit me with the iron club. There is another similar narration and it seems to be more correct. He says that an angel was holding an iron club and asking me that you truly as your mother describes you i.e. as a mountain and her support as this is a form of shirk i.e. associating partners with god as abdullah bin rawahid if i were to say that i am like this he would certainly have struck me with the iron club he was also a poet and was among those poets who used to respond to the insults of the opponent on behalf of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. Some of these verses are as follows: Inni tafarastu fi alkhaira a'rifu, Wallahu yalamu an ma khannan albasa. Anta al-Nabi, wa min yahram shfagatah. Yum alhisabi, fad azra'i bih alqadr. فَثَبَّتَ اللَّهُ مَا آتَاكَ مِنْ حَسَنُ تثبيت مُوسَى وَنَسْنَ كَالَّذِي That is, I recognize the goodness in your blessed being, that is the Holy Prophet and Allah knows that my eyes were not deceived. You are the Prophet. Whoever will be deprived of your intercession on the Day of Judgment has certainly been decreed themselves to be worthless. Thus may Allah grant him steadfastness in the qualities he has endowed him with, just as he granted Moses steadfastness, and may God help him, just as the prophets of the past were helped. Hearing these verses, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, O son of Rawaha, may Allah grant you steadfastness. Hisham bin Urwa said, that as a result of this prayer, Allah granted him great steadfastness, so much so that when he was martyred and the doors of heaven were opened for him, he entered therein. Ibn Saad relates that when the following verse was revealed, and as for purposes, it is the erring ones who follow them. Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha said that Allah the Exalted is well aware if I am from among them. Upon this, the following verse was revealed. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا I i.e. save those who believe and do good works. The author of Majmu' al Writes that even during the era of ignorance, Hazrat Abdullah bin Baha was renowned, and even in Islam, he holds a high and lofty status. Hazrat Abdullah composed a couplet in praise of the Holy Prophet that is known as one of his greatest couplets. This couplet captures a state of his heart in which Hazrat Abdullah addresses the Holy Prophet and says لَوْ ayatum Kanat badahatuhu Bil khawr. Which means O Muhammad وسلم, even if you are without the countless signs that speak of your truths and veracity your countenance alone is enough to declare your truthfulness. Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha was able to read and write in the era of ignorance, a time when the practice of writing was not prevalent among the Arabs. After the Battle of Badr came to an end, the Holy Prophet sent Hazrat Zayd bin Hartha from Badr to Medina and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha to Ali to announce news of the victory. Awali is the name of the area situated four to eight miles north of Medina, in which the village of Quba and some other tribes are located. Hazrat Said bin Jubair relates that the Holy Prophet entered Masjid Haram on his camel and stroked the Haji Aswad by means of his staff. Alongside him was also Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha who was holding the reins of the Holy Prophet's camel whilst reciting the following couplets. خلوا kufari an عن سبيله نحن ala على تأويله ضربا يزيل Hama An مقيله That is to say, O oh disbelievers, make way for the Holy Prophet wasallam. For after accepting him, we have dealt you such a blow that removes the head from its resting place. Hazrat Qais bin Hazm relates that the Holy Prophet ﷺ told Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha to dismount and have our camels moving, i.e., to recite such poetry that shall cause our camels to move swiftly, just as the Jews would do. He replied, O Messenger of Allah, I have abandoned such poetry. Hazrat Umar said, Hear and obey. Consequently, Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha dismounted from his camel and recited the following couplets, Ya Rabbi لولا انت مهتدينا و لا تصدقنا و لا صلينا فانزلن سكينة علينا و ثبت الأقدام إن لاقينا إن الكفار قد علينا That is, O Lord, if it were not for you, we would not have attained guidance. Given alms or offered prayers. Send down peace and tranquility upon us, and grant us steadfastness when we meet the enemy, for the disbelievers have attacked us. Muqi has also narrated this with the addition of, wa aradu fitnatan i.e. and if they desire. To create disorder, we oppose it, i.e. we shall put an end to this disorder and not allow it to spread. The narrator then states that the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, "O oh Allah, have mercy on them. To which Hazrat Umr answered, It has been ordained. In other words, it is through the prayers of the Holy Prophet ﷺ that mercy shall be sent down. Hazrat Ubada bin Samit relates that when the Holy Prophet went to visit Hazrat Abdullah bin Ruaha whilst he was sick, he was unable to get up from his bed. The Holy Prophet asked, Do you know who the martyrs of my Ummah are? The people answered, The martyrs are those Muslims who are killed. The Holy Prophet said, In that case, there would be very few martyrs in my Ummah. And then said, the Muslim who is killed is a martyr, the one who dies due to an ailment of the stomach is a martyr, the one who drowns is a martyr and the woman who dies during childbirth is a martyr. All these are various types of martyrdom. Hazrat Urwa bin Zayd relates that the Holy Prophet ﷺ appointed Hazrat Zayd bin Hartha as the commander of the army on the occasion of the Battle of Malta and stated that if Hazrat Zayd martyred then Hazrat Jafar bin Abi Talib will be the commander If he too is martyred, then Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha will assume control. If Abdullah too is martyred, then the Muslims should appoint whoever they desire as the commander. When the army was ready and about to depart, the people were seeing off the appointed commanders of the Holy Prophet and praying for their safety. When they saw off the commanders of the Holy Prophet and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha, Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha began weeping. The people inquired as to why he was weeping, to which he replied, By God, I have absolutely no love nor any desire for the world. However, I have heard the Holy Prophet ﷺ speaking with regards to the Quranic verse Wa in Minkum Illa Waridoha kana 'ala Rabbika And there is not one of you but will come to it. This is a fixed decree with thy Lord. Hence, after having treaded this delicate path, I do not know what will be my state. the fire has been mentioned in the aforementioned verse which caused him concern whereas in other verses it is clearly stated that is not the case of a believer and the one who takes up jihad in the way of allah nevertheless the people told him that god almighty shall be with him and bring him back to them safely it is written in the footnote of tafsir and also in tafsir kabir that this shall not be in the fate of the believer, but only for the disbelievers. The promised Messiah has explained this further in light of some hadith. The summary of the footnote from Tafsir Sagir is that from the Holy Qur'an there is mention of two types of hell. One is in this very life and the other is in the hereafter. Where it is stated that all shall enter hell, it does not mean, say, that the believers shall also enter therein. Rather, it means that believers shall experience some aspect of hell in this very life, i.e. the disbelievers inflict them with all sorts of suffering. Otherwise, from the Holy Qur'an, it is evident that the believers shall never enter the hell fire, because according to the Holy Qur'an, it is stated regarding the believers, لَا حَثِيثَهَا i.e. the believers shall remain so far from hell that they will not hear the slightest sound thereof. Hence, the meaning behind believers and the fire is that they shall suffer afflictions in this life. The Holy Prophet ﷺ has even declared fever as a type of fire where he states hazu kulli min nar i.e. fever is a portion of the hellfire every believer. Nevertheless, this was a brief explanation. The believers saw off the army and prayed for them to be safeguarded from every evil of the enemy. Hz. Abdullah bin Rawaha recited the following poetic verses. لكنني أسأل الرحمن وضربة ذات تقذف أو حَتَّى إِذَا مَرُّوا عَلَىٰ اللَّهُ مِنْ Meaning, I seek forgiveness from the merciful God and I seek the ability to be able to produce such a strike from my sword which would inflict a great wound and thereby draw out fresh blood that looms out and the ability to launch an attack of the spear which is carried out by the one who makes full preparation and is thirsty for blood whose spear pierces through the liver and intestines. May I continue to valiantly fight until my death, and when people pass by my grave, they will say, O oh thou who took part in the battle, may Allah grant you good, and indeed Allah will have done so. Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha then presented himself before the Holy Prophet sallallahu and the Holy Prophet sallallahu then sent the army. The army continued to travel and stopped at the place Ma'an, which is a town situated in Syria towards Hijaz, in the suburbs of Balqa, it was there that they learned that Heraclius, along with 100,000 Roman soldiers and 100,000 Arab soldiers, was at Ma'ab. Ma'ab is also a town situated in the sub The Muslims remained in Ma'an for two days, and discussions amongst themselves ensued that they should send someone to the Holy Prophet to inform him of the size of the enemy, i.e., that the enemy was in extremely large numbers. They thought either the Holy Prophet would send reinforcements. Or he would issue another commandment. However, Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha gave courage to the Muslims and reinvigorated their passion. Subsequently, the Muslims, despite being only three thousand in number, marched at and met the Roman army in Balka near a place called Musharif. There are quite a few areas that went by the name of Musharif. One was located near Faran, one was near Damascus, and the other was near Balka. From this location, the Muslim army moved towards Malta. Hazrat Anas relates that the Holy Prophet ﷺ announced to the people the news of the martyrdom of Hazrat Zayed, Hazrat Jafar, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha. And this was prior to any news directly reaching them about this incident. The Holy Prophet ﷺ informed the people before any news had reached them. The Holy Prophet stated Zayed was holding the flag and was martyred. Then Jafar took the flag and he was also martyred and then Abdullah bin Rawaha took the flag and he too was martyred. As the Holy Prophet was stating this, tears were flowing from his eyes. The Holy Prophet then stated, The flag was then taken by one of the swords of Allah and eventually Allah the Almighty granted them victory through him. When the Holy Prophet learnt of the martyrdom of Hazrat Zayed bin Hartha, Hazrat Jafar, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha, he stood up to pay tribute. The Holy Prophet started with Hazrat Zaid and stated, Allahumagfir li Zaydin Allahumagfir li Ja'farin Wa li Abdullah ibn Rawah Meaning, O oh Allah, grant forgiveness to Zayd Oh Allah, grant forgiveness to Zayd O oh Allah, grant forgiveness to Zayd Oh Allah, grant forgiveness to, oh to, oh to Ja'far and Abdullah ibn Rawaha Hazrat Aisha narrates that when Hazrat Zayd bin Harsa, Hazrat Jafar and Hazrat Abdullah ibn Rawah were martyred, the Holy Prophet sallam, went and sat in the mosque. Emotions of grief and sorrow were visible from the Holy Prophet's countenance. Hazrat Muslim has explained the account of the Battle of Malta in the following manner. This has already been mentioned once before in reference to Hazrat Zaid. However, I shall mention it briefly again. Hazrat Muslim states, The Holy Prophet had appointed Zayd as the commander of the army. However, the Holy Prophet also stated, I am appointing Zayd as the commander of the army, but if Zayd is martyred during the battle, then Jafar will take command of the army. If he is also martyred, then Abdullah bin Rawaha will take command. However, if he is also martyred, then whoever the Muslims collectively agree upon should take the command of the army. When the Holy Prophet stated this, a Jew was also sat in the company of the Holy Prophet and submitted, Although I do not believe you to be a prophet, but if you are truthful, then none of these three individuals would return alive, because anything uttered by a prophet is certainly fulfilled. The Jew then went to Hazrat Zayd and stated, If your prophet is true, then you shall not come back alive. Hazrat Zayed replied, Regardless of whether I return from this battle alive or not, for Allah knows best, but it is an undeniable truth that our Messenger wasallam, is truthful. Despite not professing belief in the Holy Prophet the Jew knew that the words of the Holy Prophet were indeed going to be fulfilled. But this is the stubborn attitude of those who will not accept the truth, whatever be the case. Hazrat Musleh Maud further writes, Allah's wisdom ordained that this incident was fulfilled exactly as foretold. Hazrat Zayd was martyred, then Hazrat Jafar took up the command and he too was martyred. Then Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha took up the command of the army and was also martyred. It was possible that in this moment, the Muslim army had dispersed, but Hazrat Khalid bin Walid took the flag in his hand on the behest of the Muslims. Allah gave victory to the Muslims through him and he returned the army safely. The following account which I am going to relate has already been mentioned once before. However, this incident Reflects the sincerity and devotion of Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha, and also his love for the Holy Prophet and Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Islam. Therefore, I shall relate it once again. Hazrat Allah relates that Hazrat Usama bin Zayd told him that once the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was riding on a donkey, which had a saddle placed on it. Underneath the saddle was a blanket that was made in Fadak. The Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam placed Hazrat Usama bin Zayd behind him, and they made their way to the compounds of Banu Harith bin Khazraj to inquire about Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah, who was ill at the time. The incident being narrated took place prior to the Battle of Badr. Whilst travelling, they went past a gathering in which some Muslims, idolaters and the Jews were also sat. Abdullah bin Obey and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha were also sat in this gathering. Whilst the Holy Prophet was riding past, the dust from his mount fell on the gathering. Abdullah bin Obey covered his nose and said, do not cast dust upon us. The Holy Prophet ﷺ offered greetings of salam and stopped and dismounted. The Holy Prophet ﷺ then invited them towards Allah and recited the Holy Quran. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul replied, This is not right. If what you say is true, even then you should not come to our gathering and disrupt it. Rather, go back to where you came from and inform those who come to you. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha immediately stated, O Prophet of Allah you should come to our gatherings and recite this to us as we greatly enjoy this. He did not show any fear of anyone and in fact an altercation ensued as well but in any case he demonstrated his character at this occasion. Hazrat Ibn Abbas anhu relates that the Holy Prophet once sent some of the companions on an expedition and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha was also part of this delegation. It was a Friday, and the rest of the companions who were part of the delegation had left. However, Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha said that he will remain behind and offer his Friday prayers behind the Holy Prophet ﷺ and will then join the others. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ saw Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha also offering his prayers alongside him, he stated, What stopped you from going with your fellow companions? Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha replied, It was my desire to offer the Friday Prayers behind you and then join the others." The Holy Prophet stated, Even if you spend the entire wealth on this earth, you cannot attain the same blessings as those who have already parted. The Holy Prophet further stated that the delegation he sent for this expedition was more important at the time than the Friday Prayers and they could have performed the Friday Prayers whilst travelling. Hazrat Abu Darda radiallahu anhu relates that once Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha with the Holy Prophet sallallahu on an extremely hot day in the month of Ramazan. He states that the heat was so intense that they were all covering their heads from the sun with their hands. He states that none of them were fasting at the time apart from the Holy Prophet sallallahu Alaihi and Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib radiallahu anhu has written, Upon arriving in Medina, the first task was the construction of Masjid an Nabwi. The place where the camel of the Holy Prophet ﷺ chose to rest was the property of two children from Medina named Sahal and Suhail, who lived in the guardianship of Hazrat Asad bin Zurairah. This was a vacant land on which a few date palms had been planted in one area. In an area, there were ruins, etc. The Holy Prophet ﷺ selected this plot to construct the Masjid Nabwi and his own living quarters. This plot of land was purchased for ten dinar, or approximately ninety rupees. The surface was gold and cleared of trees, after which the construction of Masjid Nabi began. The Holy Prophet ﷺ supplicated to Allah and laid the foundation stone himself, just as in the construction of the mosque at Koba, the companions worked as builders and laborers. The Holy Prophet ﷺ would also participate at times. Occasionally, while lifting bricks, the companions would recite the following couplet of Abdullah bin Rawaha Ansari. هذا الحمال لا حمال خيبر هذا أبر وأطهر This burden is not the burden of Khaybar's commercial goods which arrives loaded on the backs of animals. Rather, O oh our Lord, this is the burden of virtue and purity. Which we bear for your pleasure. At times the companions will recite the following couplet of Abdullah bin Rawaha Allahumma innal al Ajara, Ajrul Akhira, Farhamil Ansara wal Muhajira. O our Allah, true reward is merely that of the hereafter. By your grace, send down mercy upon the Ansar and the Muhajireen. When the companions would recite the couplet, at times the Holy Prophet ﷺ would also join in. In this manner, after a long period of hard work, the mosque was completed. These were the accounts in the life of Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha. And I would like to mention about a deceased member and lead his funeral prayer. Therefore, I have only mentioned one companion. Now, as I have just stated, I will mention some details of a deceased member, respected Dr. Lef Greshi Sahib, son of Manzoor Ahmed Greshi Sahib. He passed away on 19th January 2020 at around 1pm in the afternoon at the age of approximately 80 years old. To Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, the deceased was a Musi. He was born in Ajmer Sharif in India. His father Manzook Rashi Sahib performed the bath at the hands of his Muslim in 1937. His mother, who is still alive, respected Mansura Bushra Sahiba is the maternal granddaughter of Hazrat Munshi Fiaz Ali Sahib Kapur Talvi, who was a companion of the Promised Messiah Islam. She is also the paternal granddaughter of Hazrat Sheikh Abdul Mirti. Respected Dr. Greshisai's parents migrated to Lahore after the independence of Pakistan. He passed his matriculation exams from Lahore and attained first position. He then enrolled in the King Edward Medical College. He was amongst the youngest students to have passed his MBBS exams and this was particularly mentioned by the principal of the college. To pursue further education, he travelled to the UK in 1861. He initially did a diploma in child health care and then attained a degree in MRCP. He then worked as a consultant in a hospital in Yeovil, Somerset and specialised in diseases and illnesses related to the heart. In 1968, Hazrat Khreep the third III Allah, asked Dr. Saib when he was planning to come back to them and Dr. Saib replied that whenever Hazul would direct him, and so Hazrat Khalid Tumasi III Rahimullah, asked him to come back and he left the UK and returned to Pakistan. Dr. Sai was appointed to serve in the Fazlul Umar Hospital in Rabwa and continued to work there for a long period of time. On 11th July 1983, he was appointed as the Chief Medical Officer at the Fazilumar Umar Hospital and continued to serve at this post till 1987. He continued to work till the age of 60 years old at Fazlul Umar Hospital. And on twentieth august nineteen ninety eight he took retirement. however, on sixth september nineteen ninety eight he joined the Fazlilman hospital and continued to serve by the grace of God Almighty until tenth of september two thousand. Thus, his total service was approximately thirty years, aside from serving as a vokfizinghi i e life devotee doctor. Dr Latif Qureshi Sahib also had the opportunity to serve in various offices in the central departments of Khudam al ahmadiyya and Ansarullah. Currently he was serving as Naib Sir Ansarullah and was also a member of the Majlis Sifta for the last two years. He wrote two books which were especially for those living in Pakistan, Principles of Preserving One's Health and Healthy Living. His wife, who was the daughter of Molana Abdul Malik Khan Sahib, passed away a few days ago. He mentioned about her last Friday and led her funeral prayer as well. He passed away approximately fifteen days after the passing of his wife. As I mentioned in regards to his wife, Dr. Latif Greshi Sahib is survived by three sons and two daughters. His son, doctor Adal Malik, writes From as early as I can remember, I have never seen my father miss the Tajit prayers. Our mother would tell us that from the first day of their marriage he offered the Tajit prayers regularly and continued this practice for more than fifty years. During the last days of my mother's illness, my father took great care of my mother. He would take her to the hospital and spend hours waiting for her dialysis to finish, and was in a state of restlessness. Despite all of this, he never missed the tahjit prayers. He had great sympathy for his patients and would look after the destitute. Paul would travel great distances to obtain medicines and receive treatment. He would not take any fees from many of his patients and would sometimes give money from his own pocket. He would always advise us. That it is only God Almighty that has the power to cure. He would especially advise his three children, who are doctors, that they should always pray for their patients. His son writes Many times when I would ask my father to pray for a patient of mine, he would phone the following day and inquire about the patient and would mention that he prayed for him. In 1969, he was working as a consultant in England. But he left all worldly luxuries and wealth, and placing his trust in Allah, he moved to Rabwa. He had complete conviction that God Almighty would provide for all his worldly and spiritual endeavors, and that his children would receive a good education. Thus, God Almighty showered his blessings upon him, and Dr. Qureshi Sahib never suffered any financial difficulty, and his children also received a good education. Most of his children are settled in the USA, three of whom are doctors. Dr. Kreshi Sahib looked after his parents and even until his last days he would prepare food for his mother and took great care of her. As I mentioned earlier, the mother of Dr. Kreshi Sahib is alive and was living with him. Dr. Kreshi Sahib's son writes, My father assisted me greatly in preparation for entry examinations for USA and would encourage us children in all matters. He was averse to any form of pretentiousness and lived a simple life. Prior to doing anything in his life, whether it was something small or significant, he would always write to the khalif and seek guidance. His other son Dr. Ahmed Mahmud Qureshi writes, the, the third III said about him that he is not simply a doctor, rather he practices his profession with the help of prayers. He would pray for every single patient. Before writing any prescription, he would always write Bismillahir Rahmanir Raheem i.e. in the name of Allah the Gracious, the Merciful. And underneath he would write Sharfi, i.e., God is the drawer of help. He would advise other doctors to pray for their patients, because only God Almighty has the power to cure. He further writes During the days in which my mother passed away, a patient came to see him from shore court. At the time he was sitting in the car, and was preparing to go somewhere. He stopped and attended to the patient and gave him a prescription. Often he would purchase medicines for his patients himself. His daughter writes A lady informed me that her father suffered a heart attack and was alone at, i. e. the father of the woman. He, i.e. doctor Greshi Sahib, went to tend to him and informed the person's children. He sat with him and remained there until the children came home. He would attend the Jalsa Salana new Convention in Gardian and the UK each year. He had a habit of working hard and always worked with great diligence. His daughter writes, After the demise of our mother, he asked me to help in all the arrangements. After I completed everything, he expressed his gratitude to such an extent that I felt embarrassed. During all this, one thing he would repeatedly say to me was to complete everything at first instant, as he did not have much time left. At the time, I did not pay much attention to this, and nor did I inquire about it. as he usually never openly shared his dreams later on however my brother informed me that he had seen a dream about himself and said that he did have much time left one hour prior to his demise he sat in the clinic adjacent to the house from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. he came home at 1 p.m. performed his ablution and stated his intention to offer prayers in masjid as he sat on his bed he took off his shoes when he suffered a heart attack, and thus departed to meet his creator. He had a loving relationship with his neighbors, and they also took great care of him. He had a passion for poetry and literature. He would recite poems from Durismin, Mahmud and Duriadan in a melodious tune. He recorded many cassettes consisting of different verses and had a scholarly disposition. Sayyid Hussain Ahmad, who is a missionary and also married to Dr Qureshi Sahib's sister-in-law writes, Dr. Sahib told me that when he arrived at Lahore from London, when he moved to Pakistan to serve in the Jama'at hospital, he went straight to the private secretary's office. Hazrat Khaliptham Rahimullah, called him inside and remarked, ''You have arrived?'' Dr. Sahib replied in the affirmative and said that he had come to render his services. Hazrat Khalip the Third Rahimullah then said that he had the house of Doctor Sahib painted, and that he ought to get the keys from Nazirullah Sahib, and remain there. Doctor Sahib then said that when he went to the house, he found two charpais. He went to the market and purchased two more, as well as other items for the house, and began living there. He did not make any demands nor show any pretentiousness that he had just come from England. In the first Jalsa, he received a lot of guests. He would sleep on the floor himself and offered his house for the guests. He took great care of his father in law, Molana Abdul Malik Khan Saib, and his mother in law. Hossein Sahib further writes Dr. Saib would often say that his colleague doctors, who were serving in various high ranking positions, would ask him what he received in return for working in a small settlement such as Rabwa. Dr. Saib will reply by saying, Those people have no idea and can never truly understand what I receive in return for my service in Rabbah. The, the prayers that one can offer here are priceless. He had the opportunity to treat companions of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Nawab Mubarak Begum Saib, and Hazrat Sayyidah Abdul Hafiz Begum Saiba. Dr. Qureshi Saib stayed with Hazrat the Third, III in Islamabad in the days leading up to his demise. He also had the opportunity to tend to other elders of the Jama'at as well. Dr. Abdul Khaliq Sahib writes, It would not be an exaggeration to write that Dr. Qureshi Sahib, who is no longer with us, was a doctor who especially cared for the poor. For more than half a century he served the poor and destitute of this area, irrespective of the patient's religion or background. When these were serving as the chief medical officer of the hospital, He would personally go to Lahore and check rates for various equipment on the market. He would then purchase the appropriate items, and sometimes this process would take the entire day. One of his characteristics was that he was always mindful of the correct use of Jamaat's money and resources. He initiated the ultrasound and endoscopy departments in the hospital. Initially, he would walk or travel by bicycle to visit renowned personalities and all companions of the promised Messiah in their homes and would advise them accordingly. With regards to the Fazl-i Umar Hospital, he would say the prayers of the Khulafa of Ahmadiyyat are with this hospital and with respect to the healing and treatment of patients, by the grace of Allah, I have witnessed countless miracles here. Dr Sultan Mubasha Sahib writes, During his service in the fazl Ummar Umar Hospital, which spanned over approximately 30 years, He had to endure various trials. However, his humble disposition was such that he submitted at least of every trial and as he faced them, he maintained his honour and dignity and offered supplications before God Almighty. Sultan Mubashir Sahib is correct in what he writes, as I am aware of certain matters in which Dr. Sahib always maintained his dignity and without a word of complaint, he endured the difficulties he faced. As a result, Allah the Almighty bestowed him with blessings. He never complained against any office-bearer nor did he share any grievance or personal injustices of fellow colleagues with anyone. Dr. Sultan Mubasha Sahib states that he was not just a doctor for the rich or nobility. Rather, he treated everyone. As mentioned earlier, this was one of his attributes. Dr. Sultan Mubasha Sahib writes an incident. One day the wife of Rahmat Ali Sahib's driver was brought to the emergency department. I requested doctor Kreshis to come to the hospital. He came to the hospital within a few minutes from his home in Darul Alum Sharqi. His house was not near the hospital, in fact, his house is situated on the other side of Ra, yet he immediately went to the hospital. He was very loyal to the Jamat. On occasions, when us junior doctors would be despondent with the strict disciplinary measures of our superiors, doctor Kreshis would sit us down and explain to us that we must obey the Niz at all costs. And bear everything patiently. When his wife, Shokat Sahiba, passed away, on the following day, in fact, it was on the same day, the Valima ceremony of two of his nephews was to take place. Dr. Qureshi Sahib went to the groom's house and informed them about the passing of his wife, but advised them to continue with the marriage preparations and not to postpone them. As mentioned, his wife was the maternal aunt of the two grooms, i. e. the ceremony was of the two sons of Saib However, doctor Saib advised him to continue with the proceedings and not to cancel them. His son, doctor Mahmud, said that he would not attend the marriage ceremony. But Dr. Qureshi Sahib advised him to be content with the will of God. Then further said that it was in these circumstances whereby people are tested and a level of patience and contentment with the will of God are gauged. He then took his son along with him and participated in the marriage ceremony and out of reverence for the occasion he ensured that nobody from his area should come to know of the death until the marriage ceremony was concluded. May Allah the Almighty shower his mercy and forgiveness upon him Both parents of the children have passed away within a short space of time. May Allah grant His children patience and steadfastness. May Allah enable the children to continue the virtues of both parents. As mentioned, the mother of Dr. Kreshisayb is alive but is unwell. May Allah have mercy on her and grant His.
0: Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, nahmadahu wa 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 nahuminu bihu wa nahawakkaluhu wa min ومو حي دلوا فادي الله ونشهد الا الله ونشهد ان محمدا الله رحمكم الله ان الله يأمر وی آنها نِل